0: to The Homeschooler Next Door, the kitchen talk of Homeschool Talk. This is where we talk heart to heart because, you know, in the living room we all talk about all the wonderful things and we talk about all the proper things, but at the kitchen table we talk heart to heart and we talk about real life and what it's really like to be homeschooling and what it's really like to be a mom in this day and age. So welcome to our relaunch of The the Homeschooler Next Door. We've been kind of out of it for a year as we were doing other things. And uh, trying to find a new home for our radio show, so I'm so glad we're on Talk Shoe now. And uh, this is wonderful because it will still be on iTunes, and if you haven't signed up and heard our past episodes, you can catch those on iTunes also. And uh, then uh, we're also going to be available live every Thursday here at 2 o'clock Central Time. I'm sorry, I'm not an Eastern person. I'm a Central Time person. And uh, we're going to have some great guests, and we're going to talk about what's going on in the world, how it's affecting our kids, and how it affects our homeschooling. So uh, Malia, I would like to introduce y'all to Malia Russell, and she is the uh, web person uh, or the, uh, I guess, web host of Homemaking 911, and I met her from, uh, through uh, a Yahoo group, and she has four beautiful children, and has been homeschooling. Welcome, Malia. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me to be here today. Well, great. We love having guests and uh, sharing what they are experts at, because I know I'm not an expert at anything. I'm a mom with a computer, and I know how to use it. <laughs> but uh, we we usually ask, we always start our show with the same question, and that is, how did you start your homeschool?
1: Well, that's um, that's a loaded question for a lot of homeschoolers, and it is for us as well. Our oldest daughter was in sixth grade, and at that point we had two more children. And there was a, an unhappy event at the school, and we at that point decided to go ahead and withdraw her with the intent of putting her in at another private school. We had no idea about homeschooling. We didn't really know anyone who homeschooled. And uh, at the time, I happened to be babysitting for a little boy whose mom worked for the public schools here in town. And she asked me, why don't you consider homeschooling? You're so organized. <laughs> you become quickly unorganized when you homeschool, by the way. But I, I was organized. And, um, and she said, why don't you consider homeschooling? And she brought me a copy of all the public school books for sixth grade to use while I figured out where to put Christina. And I didn't know the laws. I did not know how to appropriately homeschool. So I had the doors locked and the curtains closed, and I had a little... 15-minute chart where she wrote down every 15 minutes what she was doing and had to sit at the table with her books in front of her for the entire school day uh, until I finally got a letter back from our county saying we were a bona fide school, and it included all the laws and what was actually required, which was way less than what we were doing, and I was so excited. So after several weeks, we'd, we'd, we'd enjoyed the freedom of home education, and we decided we never wanted to go back. We loved it so much, and we felt like we could give her so much more. And then as each additional child come into our homeschool, we've just felt like a, a real blessing has been poured out on our family as a result of this decision, and we're not willing to give it up. So that's why we still homeschool. We think it's a terrific choice for our family.
0: That's great. It sounds like you were a perfect Paula when you started out. Is that is that where you got the organizing and, and everything? In, in I'm more, sorry, I didn't I, hear the first part of your question. I questions. said it sounds like you were a perfect Paula. Oh, I
1: wouldn't say that. But I, I did have my act together. But, uh-huh. you know, I wouldn't say perfect by any stretch. And, and you learn really quickly when you're home educating and all your kids are under your authority
0: all day, you learn how unperfect you are very, very quickly. Well, I had one homeschool mom explain that our children were little mirrors, <laughs> reflecting, yes. our reflecting our flaws. Reflecting
1: flaws. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And you have no one else to blame for their issues
0: either. You know it's all you. Right. Yeah. Well, or their dad. You can always blame it on the dad. (laughs) But anyway, we won't go there. Well, listen, we invited uh, Malia to the show because we know that with what is going on in the economy this year, that uh, more and more moms are thinking about what can we do frugally. Now, I remember when we used to uh, go get our own gourds. You know, we had some friends in the country, and we'd go get our own gourds and and do our decorating uh, with what we could find at the park. And then life got a little more comfortable and we'd go to the nearest grocery store and buy a $10 pack of decorations. And I have a feeling that a lot of things like that are going to go by the wayside because people are not buying things. I just heard from a friend who's a Christian publisher and they're saying that they've had a 70% drop in people buying things from the Christian bookstores. Wow. I explained, yes, I explained. I said, people are not buying anything they don't have to have right now. But we still want to have a really good Thanksgiving and Christmas for our family. We really want to bring it home. And I know that that was the one thing I learned. I was a working mom before I was a homeschooler, and I learned how to be a homey mom. You know, you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah. Just the uh, I. I had always been the working mom, bought what I needed, you know, slapped it together, ta-da, here it is, enjoy it, let's go. You know, I was a type A type person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wasn't as organized as you were, but I was still type A. And so I I had to learn how to enjoy and spend time with the kids. And my kids who were with the, you know, they they, uh, got to uh, experience the working mom and the at-home mom, Uh, they really enjoyed the time that I spent with them. Don't you think so? that that's, that's really the best blessing of the holidays. It is. It really it can be. It really is. So. Um, one,
1: one of the things that I have found is that people love, at Thanksgiving particularly, the, the little things that children make. You know, They love the little handmade turkeys where you draw your hand and you put on the little, you know, whatever, and make the little turkey gobble and the little leaves and things and and make little turkey things. People love those types of things at, at Thanksgiving. You can get away with it. For some other events like a wedding, you have to maybe spend your money, but at Thanksgiving, the decorating can be very no cost because those
0: types of things just lend themselves to that particular holiday. Cool. So, what what are some of the things that you've got or I know you've got some great things on your website and her website, and by the way, is homemaking911.com and it's got lots of ideas on there. Uh, what are some of the things that a mom can do to bring down the cost of Thanksgiving dinner and and the decorations and really help to make her home feel warm and comfortable but without spending a whole lot? Well, um, well, we've just talked briefly about
1: the low-cost decorations, you know, the, the hand things that the kids make. You can make centerpieces, if your family's big into that, out of leaves and pine cones or, or apples and nuts in a basket or, or gourds from the grocery. Those are relatively low cost even still. Um, but that piece isn't going to even be your expensive piece of Thanksgiving. Your expensive piece is going to be your food cost. And so one of the things that I've gotten really wise about, are uh, there are some things that my family simply does not like that we include as part of a holiday tradition because it's what we grew up with. So, for example, we go to one home for a Thanksgiving meal, and the um, hostess at that home grew up having oyster dressing as the big um, treat for their family for the year. And she continues to make a huge back of, batch of oyster dressing every year, and she is the only one who likes it. Oh. <laughs> so the rest of us take this small, tiny, polite portion and... Um, Then she also makes another secondary batch of regular stuffing for, quote, those who don't like the oyster stuffing, and that is all gone. And she's left with this huge bowl year after year, and we've done this for several years, of oyster dressing, and it really doesn't stay in the fridge for very long. I mean, it's got oysters in it and whatnot. And so one of the things that I started to think about when I saw that year after year is what things do I prepare year after year that really my husband and children couldn't care less about and I can just eliminate it altogether, and that might include at your house sweet potatoes. It might include certain types of pies, like mincemeat pie. No one in my family will eat it, but that was always part of the Thanksgiving tradition. So when you have guests, you have mincemeat pie, but nobody in our group liked it. So over time, we just sort to pare down and say, if everybody likes pumpkin, we'll just get a bunch of pumpkin pies, and everyone will eat it and enjoy it, and it won't go to waste. So that was one thing is to think about what does your family actually really like? And then another thing that we've talked about are um, a huge number of side dishes. At Thanksgiving, people think of, you know, tell me some of the things you think about. Potatoes, corn, dumplings, turkey, dressing, green beans, uh, broccoli casserole, multiple pies, homemade rolls. I mean, we could go on and on with all the side dishes that go with, with right. Thanksgiving,
0: right? That was the first and thing we got rid of. We got rid of the green bean casserole with the onions. I hear I, you. No I green have bean casserole. I never understood that. It was, it was <laughs> like the big thing when I was in home ec. I moved to a country school, and we had to have home ec. and it was disgusting. And so we don't do that. <laughs> right. And even if you just eliminated half of those,
1: you would still have a, a, an enormous meal. If you're feeding a single family, you don't need all of those side dishes. And in fact, if you're going to end up with turkey leftover for the next day, it might be nice to say, okay, on Thanksgiving Day 1, these are our very favorites. These are what we're going to have as our side dishes. On leftover Day 2, I'll make some different side dishes. It'll be a whole new meal other than the meat. Rather than having all these dishes served the same day, and a lot of it just sitting in the fridge, and you hope it gets used up over the next couple days before it starts to go bad. So that was one of the things that I talked about, is just eliminating these these excessive numbers of side dishes. Um, Another thing is if you can combine with another family. Some of us have big families anyway. We get together with 30 to 50 people each year. But some have a family size of four or five, and you can eliminate a lot of cost by getting together with another family and sharing in that abundance of side dishes and everything else together and splitting that cost. So one family would be responsible for certain parts and another responsible for another. Um, those seem very simple, but they're things that it took me
0: years to figure out how to make things not quite so expensive, and sharing with another family is a good way. Well, now, one thing that I've learned uh, is that if you buy a turkey that's less than 15 pounds, you're buying a bag of bones. Right. So we we always buy the biggest turkey we can get, We usually 20 or more pounds. I don't care if it's just what we're down to four at the house now. But what we do with it is we take it as soon as it's done, and we bone it out, take it all out, uh, and I freeze the meat. And that way what I do is I put uh, the breast in uh, pockets for for sandwiches later in separate uh, Ziplocs, and then I take the other stuff, the the brown meat, which we don't usually eat, and I uh, put it in bags and I label them um, uh, uh, turkey casserole. So anytime I have a casserole dish that calls for poultry, I put the turkey in it, and those those will last me. And what I do is I'll, in uh, in November, since turkey goes down to like, what, 67 cents or 57, nice. I mean, it's cheaper than, than chicken, you know. By far cheaper, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. so what I'll do is I'll buy two or three, and I'll uh, do one at Thanksgiving and, uh, and then freeze it, and then I'll do one uh, at Christmas because we don't do ham. And I know some families do ham at Christmas, but we don't do ham. And then, uh, and then I'll do one in February or March just before it gets too hot to turn on the oven anymore down here. Uh, <laughs> so, it's interesting and, that you
1: say that because I do that exact same thing when it drops to 69 cents a pound. And right now in our town it's 79 cents a pound and holding. That's the lowest I've seen it. I'm holding that a little longer. I'm hoping it will drop a little bit more, but maybe that's going to be the low this year. I don't know. And one other thing that we do, Jude, is I plan to, the day after Thanksgiving, make up pot pies with the meat that's left from the turkey. So when I'm doing my Thanksgiving shopping, I go ahead and pick up the things I need for the pie crust and the vegetables and the cream of whatever uh, soup you put into your chicken pot pies, and I mix them up and I freeze all the pot pies that next day. So do, you I'll maybe on your, do you have a recipe on your, on your website? Because I don't have a I pot don't. pie recipe. I do, and it's so simple. I mean, it's just a pound of vegetables, a can of cream of mushroom or cream of celery or cream of chicken soup, salt and pepper, parsley, um, and then two, uh, the, the equivalent of two chicken breasts, large-sized chicken breasts, chopped up per pie. So if you're using turkey, you just kind of eyeball it. Couple, two cups is about right. And an onion, very simple. And if it looks dry when you're mixing it, you just add milk. And yeah, that's on my website. But we'll, I'll make up however many of those I can the day after Thanksgiving with what I don't think we will just eat as leftover turkey. And another thing you can make is like Mexi chicken is a great Mexican dish that you can freeze. I make Mexi turkey. And we make a Santa Fe chili chicken that's a chili soup, and you can use turkey in the place of the chicken for that. And so right. those are all the things that I plan ahead on Thanksgiving to buy the ingredients for. It makes my cost go up a little bit that week, but then over the next several weeks, we can use up those meals in a new way,
0: and they don't feel like you're eating leftovers. Right. We make uh, what's called King Ranch turkey down here in Texas, so that's <laughs> what is <laughs> uh, that? It's it's kind of a Mexican tur- uh, turkey, and uh, it's it's a casserole, and you make it with some tortillas. And I'm trying to remember what the recipe was, but my brain's gone for that. But um, so it's got you know it, you can just look up King Ranch turkey, and there are recipes all over the place. I found it in the Girl Scout handbook. I'm uh, not a Girl Scout handbook, but a Girl Scout, um, uh, you know, community recipe book. So uh-huh. it, they, I found it in every community recipe book around here that I've ever looked at. Uh-huh. But, you know, it, it's good to not think, oh, turkey, you know, gravy. No, turkey and salsa, turkey and, right. <laughs> and other stuff, you know, and make it a little bit different. Exactly. Um, another
1: thing that we do to keep our cost down is um, to look in the newspaper, And if you don't get a newspaper, it might be worth the dollar to get one for this particular week when Thanksgiving things go on sale or to ask a friend for their ads. That's what we would do. And look at the prices of everything and take a half an hour at home to circle the cheapest price. You can find the things that you know you're going to buy because every major chain, Meyers, Kroger's, I don't know what other chains are around your
0: area of town, will generally match the price if you have an ad in your hand. Right, and Walmart and and is Target, yes, the Walmart. Super Targets and the Super K-Marts will do the same thing.
1: Right, they will match that price that you have in your hand if you bring the ad with you, if you can show them that you've done your homework. And even though their rules say it's only if it's the same exact item, I know from experience that just by asking, um, and always politely, because they can say no is within their reason, to and, say, and well, I know this isn't the exact item, but you don't have a match, will
0: you go ahead and match the price? And they have always told me yes. Right and I would also suggest uh to be polite be patient Absolutely. and try not to do it on Friday afternoon when all the working moms are in line trying to get their shopping right. done you know during the day In fact much I didn't better. even
1: wait until I was in the line, I went straight to, I didn't want to go through the checkout line. And the reason why this came up for me is I do some freezer cooking classes where I'm sometimes buying enough to make a whole class's worth of food. So we'll all be making food together. And I know I'm buying 35 of something. Right. And I will go straight to the line manager and say, I just wanted to talk to you about my list here, what I have going on. I'm doing a cooking class. We're trying to keep our costs down. And here's where I found the lowest in time for this and this, and this. Can you match these prices? And she has a computer program that tells her what her cost break is, and she'll go check them. And so I don't even ask the checkout girls when it's something major, you know, big time cooking, because they don't have time to sit there and talk to you about it. They're just going to say, the rule is this, no. And that's fine, because they shouldn't have to stand there in line with you with people waiting and feeling pressured. So it's better just to go to that line manager if they have time to talk to you, and always with a spirit of humility you know asking for their help if they choose not to that's fine too i'm not going to stop shopping there i'm going to follow their rules and be satisfied so i tell people this but i say you know don't go in with a huffy attitude if you go in and ask sweetly you're going to get much further than you will if you go in and act haughty i guess um some of our listeners may not know the good prices for things and i just kind of jotted a few down is it okay if i just share those really quickly they can maybe take a note of them sure now where are you located just for reference Sure, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and these won't be the exact same everywhere. I think we have a slightly lower cost of living, but these are good generalities, so you can know. If it's vastly different from this, you're probably not getting the best price. Um, Turkey, I'm hoping for 69 cents a pound. Last year, that was what we found. Um, Stuffing, if you buy the box stuffing, $0.99 a box is a good price. Um, Cranberry sauce, a very good price of $0.79 a can if you purchase that. Frozen vegetables. Um, Shoot for getting it for about $0.85 per pound if you buy frozen vegetables. And that's a very, very good price. That's not the normal everyday price. Um, Butter, at this time of year, you should find it under $2 a pound. And it used to drop down to about $1.80, but now I'm seeing $1.85, $1.90, $1.95. But below $2 a pound is good. And butter freezes. I'm sure you probably know this, Jude. You're already yeah. hip to the freezer thing. But we will buy enough butter during this month to last us as long into the year as I anticipate, if I do it well. Because after Christmas and after January, the price of butter climbs a lot. And right. so butter freezes beautifully, freeze it for the whole year. Um, And pies, right after Thanksgiving, if you purchase those pre-made pies, they drop dramatically in price. And so if you buy pies and pre-made things like that, right after Thanksgiving, you can use them through all of the holiday season and even into the next year when you're having parties and potlucks and things where you want to bring a pre-made pie. So those are things to keep in mind.
0: Right, and the freezer is has been a blessing. Now, my husband was raised in a family of eight, and I was raised in a family of seven. So we lived out of our freezer. And do you do the uh, once-a-month cooking, or do you do the as-you-go cooking? I do I do both. I do the 30-day cooking. Um, in fact, that's two
1: of the books that we saw on our website. One is 30-Day Gourmet's um, cookbook. I don't know if you own that one, but it's kind of like the beginner's basics, everything you needed to know about freezer cooking. And then we also have one on our site called um, Don't Panic Dinners in the Freezer. And it's a little bit more upscale meals. I don't know if you've had a chance to try that or whatever, but it's got a little fancier dishes, a little bit nicer than just the plain everyday dishes, like what you would get with a 30-day gourmet. And I do it several ways. I do it when I'm cooking with a friend. We'll get together and we'll make 44 meals and we'll split them. She'll take 22. I'll take 22. Or I'll do it like when turkey is on a great price. I'll personally just bulk up a bunch of turkey foods, turkey meals and get them in the freezer. And then sometimes, you know, on rare occasions I'll still do the 30-day cooking. Uh, I don't like that method. It's a lot more work than I think it has to be just because you're combining so many things at one time at the grocery and it just creates a lot of drama if you got a bunch of kids with you. Um, and then also just to double your dinner. So anytime you're making chili or soup or anything that can be frozen, I just go ahead and make two and right. then save myself another
0: meal later. But what we did! What was funny when we got married was um, my husband's very um, athletic, and so I I still cooked for the you know the six people that I was used to cooking for at home. Except you know he ate it all, so we still cook in those batches, but we put half of it away. You have to
1: put it away before it comes to the table if you have men or boys, because yes. they will eat whatever you bring to the table. <laughs>
0: I have there just you. taught
1: people, don't bother bringing it to the table. They tell me this complaint, and I'm like, well, why are you bringing it to the table? <laughs> just put it away before they ever see it, and you will resolve that issue, especially with favorites like cheesy chicken bundles. Everybody loves them. We could eat a double batch of those every time, but that's not healthy, so we just put half away and you know freeze the rest. Right. Um, and that is another part of being frugal around Thanksgiving is if you freeze some things ahead, you can spread the cost over several weeks. And this would be true especially now for Christmas. We're kind of getting close on Thanksgiving. But if you know you're going to have fresh dinner rolls, you can buy your ingredients and make your fresh dinner rolls three weeks before Thanksgiving and freeze them. Make sure you use good freezing procedures so they taste good. Right. You can make your mashed potatoes you know, two weeks ahead and freeze them. You can even make your turkey ahead and freeze it if you choose to. I just kind of like having it done on Thanksgiving. I like eating. it fresh.
0: Yeah, we like
1: it fresh. But the taste is fine when it's frozen, isn't it? The ones you've frozen and taken back out, it tastes fine. But it's just nice to have it that day. And then, But things like that, even your sweet potato casserole, for the most part, you can assemble it in a baggie and then dump it into the pan the day you're going to bake it. So you can spread the cost out of those ingredients over several weeks, or in the, in the case of canned things or frozen things, even a month or two, and still have a, a bountiful Thanksgiving or Christmas meal, and not have broken your budget that month.
0: Well, you can undo that. Oh, sorry, we're having we're having technical uh, adjustments. Um, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, Uh Guest thirteen had a question. Okay. Huh? Three. Oh no. Oh, okay. Can we unmute her? Try that. You can't unmute her.
1: It looks like guest three is just on the web, so did she type in her question? Oh, here it is. What sort of containers do we use for storing meals in the freezer, and do we have to purchase freezer-specific plastic? I do. I use freezer bags, and you can use the cheaper brands, like from all these. Just make sure it says freezer bags, and you can buy Walmart's brand. You can buy the Ziploc brand, whatever you find to be most cost-effective. If you don't find freezer bags or if you just happen to have the other kind in your pantry, um, double bag them. One of the major reasons why people don't like the taste of uh, freezer meals is there's too much air when they seal up their bag, and so it makes this kind of steamy thing, and then their food tastes frosty or tastes freezer-like, and so I tell people to squeeze all the air out of your bags before you seal it, um, and that will eliminate that freezer-y, frosty taste. So. Um, You can also freeze in those disposable um, Rubbermaid-type containers that you can buy at the grocery. You can freeze in Tupperware. Um, I don't typically freeze in foil, although some people do. I just choose not to. And when I do a casserole-type dish that has to maintain its shape, I use a a Reynolds-type of disposable container because a lot of times my dishes end up going out the door to a new mom or to somebody who just had surgery or something, and I don't want them to be burdened with
0: returning my dish, so those are the things that I use for freezing. Right. Um, guest thirteen, what do you mean by freezer bags? She said to help with freezer burn, wrap the filled freezer bags and cereal bags. Oh, okay. What you mean the the wax paper bags? Can we unmute guest thirteen?
1: Everybody except okay. you and me are on the web only at this
0: point from what I can tell. Okay. Well, what um what we're um uh, so I, yeah, I I guess it means rat, rat paper. Now, I just saw uh, an ad and I forgot if it was Ziploc or Glad, but they now have it's it looks like a little uh bicycle pump and basically they have special bags and you stick this pump and you suck out all the air. So instead of buying the expensive, you know, suck the air out of the bag thing, uh this is just a a, a very very uh, low cost. It's $4 for the little pump, and then you buy their bags. So I haven't used those, but we do uh, double bag. Now, when we do a casserole, what I do is uh, I freeze it. I I did get, uh, I have a side-by-side, but I got it big enough to put casserole dishes on the in the freezer side. I made sure I could do that. So I put the casseroles in there, and then once they're frozen, I pull them out. Uh, I forgot if I pulled them out. Can you tell I haven't been cooking much lately? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, or you can put the aluminum foil in them, cook it, and then freeze it and then uh, put the aluminum over it. Uh, and then you, when you uh, – that way they can stick it in a casserole dish. If you, you know, send it to somebody, you could put uh, they can put it in their casserole dish because it's in the shape of the dish, whether it's round or rectangular. All right, very good. Didn't know if that made any sense. Also, um, the um, I was also going to ask you if you – if you do anything like the uh, grocery shopping game or uh, do angel food or any of these other ways to get low-cost food into the house day by day.
1: Okay, I might step on a toe here. I'm sorry if I do. Um, I looked at the angel food site because it comes across a homeschool loop all the time of mom saying, this is a great way to buy your groceries. And I calculated the cost of what was in the box. And, and I have a list of what things cost me you know, by pound or by serving or whatever. And I have never found that I would save money by buying the Angel Food Boxes. Now, that may not be true if you don't live in a place where you have a highly competitive shopping market. Um, For example, when we went out of town to vacation in North Carolina and the only place in town was the Food Lion, I guarantee any place would have been cheaper than that place. (laughs) It was outrageous, but they were the only store in town. And so they kind of got that market cornered. And so if you live in a place that doesn't have a lot of you know, competition, it might be a way to go. But I'm telling you, here in Louisville, we have Aldi's. We have Walmart. We have Super Walmart. We have Myers, We have Kroger's. We have so many choices that you can find your food cheaper. Now, if you're not one who wants to shop around and look at prices and check that out, that might be a way to save some money, too. But really, it's not a cost savings for me, personally. And then what was the other part of your question? Oh, the oh, coupon game. Right, the coupon game. Okay. I signed up for the coupon game because my readers were asking me about it all the time, and I, I participated with it for about four months, and I kind of caught her system. Basically, you you know you, you use the coupons, you use them in a systematic way, and she's taking the advertisements and matching it to the coupons that are best for that, and you kind of keep them in file. And it was a good program, but once I did it for a couple of months, I felt like I knew what she was doing well enough that I didn't need to go and read her site anymore, so I stopped. I, I unsubscribed. So, I, you know, I thought it was good. It was it was a good teaching tool for me to kind of really think about how am I using coupons and am I really getting the best bang for my coupon buck. And
0: I found out that, but I wasn't. I should have been doing more of what she was doing. We have another question on the chat. It's do you shop at co-ops and how do you find a good co-op in your area? Okay, I shop at co-ops. Just for a few things,
1: Um, I shop for wheat. We buy our wheat here, we grind it here, Uh, um, and for things related to bread making and for honey and those types of things, and I found it by word of mouth. You can also go on the internet and shop, you know, put in the word co-op in Google and then put the name of your city and state, and then um, search through those and see which ones are available. Some co-ops are pretty high expense and some really aren't saving you a lot of money. So I would just ask them, you know, what is your price discount, et cetera, and, and just talk to them. The one that I belong to, I, I know she gets me a great price because I can compare it to other places and see that, that I'm really getting a good deal. Um, I do belong to Sam's Club, and there's a few things there that I buy every, you know, every time I purchase them because they're cheaper there, but there's not a lot there that's a whole lot cheaper. You just have to be really careful that you're not buying things you don't need or buying in books
0: bigger than you can use. Well, uh, I was going to say another way to find a co-op is if you're on a homeschool group, either um, on Facebook or on Yahoo groups or wherever the other ones are, uh, just ask the the moms that you're connected with, and believe me, somebody will know if there's a co-op there. The other question we've got is lots of families come over to our house. This is guest seven, Uh, yet I'm not the hostess type. Can you help me with some ideas for a warm, homey family feel?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um I would say just the sense in your home, the smell in your home makes a huge difference to how people feel when they walk in. So having some fresh bread in your oven is always a nice thing, or having some tea that's maybe got a little bit of an aromatic smell brewing makes a nice smell. Also, um, consider your lighting. If you want this to be like a bright, cheerful, happy type of party thing, you want to have all lights on. You want it to be bright and cheerful. And, you know, if you don't own stock in the LG&E or whatever the gas company is in your town, I'm sorry, we don't either, but for big occasions, you know, turn on all the lights in the house. Um, If if you want it to be a more muted, quiet feel, you know, change the lighting in your house. You might have some soft music. Those things can really make or break how you feel when you walk into a room. And so just think about the senses that people have and what makes you feel comforted. And if it's in the wintertime and your house is a little bit drafty, Go ahead and lay out throw blankets around. We do that for when we have a, one of our church gatherings here. We'll have throw blankets around and all the women and their daughters will be cuddled up under blankets together. And it's fun. It just makes a cozy family atmosphere that maybe wouldn't be there if they didn't have that, if they were just sitting in their sweaters, you know, feeling chilly. So we kind of think about those things. I, Because I have a daughter with asthma, I don't put out candles much because the scents tend to bother some people. And so I steer away from those. Um, but that's it. That's what we do, and then just to have some type of snacks, and drinks. They don't even have to be major. Just some hot apple cider um, in the crock pot. You know, with a little bit of cinnamon, will, will make a nice scent, and it'll be a warm, comfortable taste
0: um, for people. So those are just the things that I would I would consider. Another thing that I found uh, because I I had a sister, and she could make a cave look comfy, and
1: yeah. housekeeping
0: was never one of my priorities one of the things that i have found that have helped me to be a hostess is to start cleaning like this is the thirteenth of november you know schedule okay we're doing these cabinets this today or we are you know doing a major scrub down of the windows start ahead of time. This is what the women back in the old days used to do, haha, <laughs> old days. Uh, they would start, you know, they would start doing extra cleaning in certain areas so that it absolutely looked good. Like probably this Saturday I'm going to be cleaning my oven. Yes, it's been a while, but that's what I'll be doing. And uh, then, uh, then it's a matter to, to be a good hostess. One thing I've noticed, my sister, it didn't matter where she lived. It felt comfortable. The reason it felt comfortable was she was very comfortable. She was very, she always had the food ready. She um, was always um, just very at ease and welcoming and loving. And, you know, it's when we show that love of Christ that that, that, that warm feeling comes into the house. So, you know, along with um, the food and the lighting, which I think was a great idea, you know, be, be at peace. Pray over your house. I don't know how many of y'all do that. I often pray over my house before people come, and just ask the Lord to be part of that, uh, be you know, a host with me, so to speak, and then to um, to to just help it to be a peaceful atmosphere when people come in. And I see that one of the ladies said that they use apple juice, cinnamon sticks, and cloves, and simmer it to get that. Uh, that low-cost aromatic thing going in their home, and I know we've done that several times. Now, there's also another question. Uh, How do you do apple cider in a crock pot? Do you know that one? Yeah, I think what she just put in, she just puts in apple juice, cinnamon, sticks, and cloves, and simmers it.
1: I just put apple cider that I buy at the market in there, and I put in some. Well, yeah, I think there are two,
0: I think that, okay. Okay. Got it. I thought yeah, she I was asking how to make apple cider. Okay, I thought she was wondering how to make apple cider. Sorry. And, yeah,
1: you can drink that warmed apple juice just like apple cider. If you ever go to Starbucks and buy their heated cider, it's basically apple juice with, you know, a little bit of cinnamon or whatever in it. Right. Oh, they put caramel in there. So, yeah, you know, it's the same thing. It tastes very similar to cider when it's warmed up. You really wouldn't tell much of a difference. Um, now, I, I don't know, do we have a little bit of time to talk about some things that we do for Christmas to keep absolutely. it low cost or would we rather kind of stick with Thanksgiving? No, absolutely. I want to cover the whole holiday season. Well, one of the things that I learned about, first of all, when I was a kid growing up, Christmas meant tons of gifts. We grew up in the age of credit cards and, and my <laughs> parents knew how to use them and use them well and Christmas was a big deal. Even if you paid on it till April, it didn't matter. Christmas was going to be a big deal. So when I grew up, in my mind, Christmas means lots of gifts, but in my heart, I knew that there was something missing. And I wanted my Christmas to be centered around Christ, but somehow I just can't get over this fact that Christmas means a lot of stuff in the house. So I'm, I'm working through that over time and teaching our children contentment, but I also wanted to have a way to bring some of that into our house at no cost or low cost. And so I kind of sat down at the beginning of Christmas and said, what do you all really like about what we've done in Christmas's past? And I was pleased to find out that it was things that costed nothing. They enjoyed going Christmas caroling. They enjoyed going to look at Christmas lights. They enjoyed hot chocolate. I mean, the things that they talked about weren't a pile of gifts. And so that to me said, it's really okay if there's not this this mountain of gifts, which is what I grew up thinking that was expected. Um, But I still like to have little treats throughout the holiday years. And one friend suggested to me once that in October or November, you go through your entire house and get every Christmas thing you have, every book that talks about Christmas, every CD you have for Christmas, every video that relates to Christmas or Advent, if you celebrate Advent or, or any other holidays in that time frame, and you gather them all in one place and you wrap them. You wrap them in tissue paper or in newspaper, or you can put them all in a big pillowcase that has a bow tied on it. And each day leading up to the Christmas season, each day leading up to Christmas and then the few days after, you can take out a new thing and share it. So it might be the Ben Crosby Christmas TV my husband loves, you know, and we'll enjoy it that night and then for the rest of the season. Or it might be that that horrible little frosty the snowman video that we all grew up watching that my kids (laughs) look forward to watching every year. So we'll pull that out of the bag one day. It might be an Advent devotional one day that we pull out, and we'll start working through that. So it was something different every day, and it cost us nothing in terms of money because it was things we already had around the house. And if you don't have much of those things, and I know some of our listeners may not, you can go to the library and check out 15 or 20 books on Christmas or Advent or just on Jesus and do the same thing with the library books, just you know, with the expectation that at the end of the day, you'd be sure to put them back in the library basket so they don't get lost in the Christmas shuffle. And if you're really stretching it and you don't really have any books that are specifically about Christmas, a lot of the fiction books like the Little House on the Prairie books or the Narnia books, they have elements of Christmas in them where they'll have a whole chapter about their Christmas or two chapters or, or even in the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, you know, the Father Christmas comes through and gives gifts or whatever. And so, those are things that we consider part of the fun of leading up to Christmas um, that have nothing to do with consumerism because it's things we're already having in our homes or that we can get from the library.
0: Right, um,
1: and, and and that that's a fun thing to do.
0: And something to put on your list for next year is as you go to garage sales and as you go through things. We my my kids thought we were crazy there for a while because uh, when we had a little more uh, money. What we would do is they would get up you know, at 5 in the morning on Christmas Day, and my husband and I would get up at 5 in the morning the day after Christmas to hit all the stores and to gather things um, for Christmas. And I have a feeling that this year will be a very good year for the after Christmas market because they're not expecting a lot of people to uh, be purchasing a whole lot. So that means that there will be great sales afterwards. And that was when we got a whole tree full of ornaments for uh, a third of the price of just the tree. So there are lots of uh, great uh, sales afterwards. And then go to garage sales. You'll be able to pick up a lot of these items that she's talking about. And I know that if you're a new family, you don't have all of this unless, of course, your uh, parents let you walk away with your ornaments, which is something that I do. We let our children take some of their ornaments with them. And uh, that's how they start their new tree. Now, I have to say, I don't have themed trees, you know, all blue, all green, all silver. Uh, I've seen those in my neighborhood, but I don't have one of those. We have uh, a Christmas tree that is uh, decorated with things our children have made over the years and that we can, you know, point to uh, an ornament and tell the story. Uh, So, you know, that's... (laughs) One of the things, so, you know, those are some, uh, if you don't have a collection yet for your Christmas time, as, as Malia was saying, then definitely, you know, put that on your list when you go garage sailing, and if you pray, one of the best things I do for my shopping is I pray, and I ask the Lord of the harvest, I say, you know, these are the things I need, and He will bring them to me. I can't explain how, by walking into a store I've never walked into before, and having uh, all kinds of sale that they did not have advertised, and it would be just the things that I would be needing for uh, two thirds off. So uh, definitely put your shopping list before the Lord. But uh, anyway, so I've gone down another tangent. Leah go
1: ahead. No, no, <laughs> I think this is
0: all on task. This is
1: all on point. And, and that is another thing, you know, just to briefly cover is just being content with what the Lord has provided for you because He knows best for you. You know, I have a sister who who has had a little bit of more financial difficulty than we have in our marriage, and her tradition became that on Christmas Eve, they go and get their Christmas tree. They like live trees. I couldn't care a whip about them, but they like live trees. And on Christmas Eve, you know how much Christmas trees are? They're free. (laughs) They want them off their lot. Yes. Or they're a dollar or two. Or you give the guy a tip for tying it to the top of your car or whatever. Um, and that became their tradition. They would get it on Christmas Eve. They would put their tree up on Christmas Eve, and they would enjoy it for several weeks. And it cost them nothing.
0: Well, so that several, was something really clever. Yeah, and in several cultures, uh, especially European cultures, the tree did not come up until Christmas Eve, and then it would nice. be up uh, through um, that's, um, through Epiphany. So you know, so different cultures do it different ways. So that's another advantage mm. there.
1: That is. Another thing to do is just stop right now and look through your pantry and think about what do you already have on hand that you can use for gifts for your family? You know, like you might have some cake mix in there, so you might make cupcakes and, and, and make a goodie basket that way, or you might make cake uh, cookies. We make lots of cookies at Christmas, and we do a cookie swap so we can spend our money on one set of ingredients and get the best price we can on that one set of ingredients and then other friends will do the same thing, and we get together and swap and end up with a nice big variety without breaking the bank for anybody. That's fun. Um, Going to Christmas programs all over town, they're free. Every church has them. You know, every denomination has them. And it's totally fine if you're Baptist to go to a Catholic church's, you know, choir program or to go to uh, non-denominational churches walk through Bethlehem. You know, it's... Churches are happy to have you there, and they're not trying to convert you at Christmas time to their church. They just would like to have guests come in and enjoy their programs. So that is something that we have done. Um, making homemade Jesse trees. You can go on the internet and make, um, you know, there's all, if you t- type Jesse tree template, you will find them all over the place. You can print them off, have your kids decorate them, in each day during Advent or Christmas, Pull out one of them, read the scriptures related thereto, and tape that thing on your fridge. And over the course of the season, you'll have it. We put ours in the shape of a traditional Christmas tree over the course of the season. And those little symbols are all related to the Christmas story and the true Christmas story. Nothing to do with, with uh, gifts cool. or Santa Claus. Yeah. And um, that, that's just a lot of fun, and it costs nothing. It's very economical. Um, I don't know if your readers are familiar with, your listeners are familiar with homeschool radio shows. But you can go through there. Every day he has shows out there. Maybe once a week he updates them. And they relate to whatever season we're in. He's pretty good about being pretty seasonally minded. So I'm sure right now there's Thanksgiving ones out there. I'm sure closer to Christmas will be ones related to that. And that's free. You gather around your computer, what used to be the radio, and you listen to them. And it costs nothing. And there's a lot of sites that do that kind of thing. Another good idea, if, you, if you're into having some toys for your kids and you have other friends with kids in the same age group, is to organize a toy swap. I don't know about you, but my, my kids keep their toys in good shape. And they really do a good job of keeping all the pieces together. They do a good job of keeping them clean. And so you can get together with seven, seven or eight friends and have everybody bring the toys that their kids are done with and then take things that are brand new to your family and that will be their Christmas gift for the year. So that is one of the things that you can do. You can do a clothing swap. You can do a toy swap. Um, you can do book swaps, book exchanges with friends. Um, those types of things where you can get something new to your family and give something that your family isn't using anymore for other people's benefits. Um, those are those are some of the things that, that we've done over the years uh, just to help reduce some of that consumerism.
0: Some of the the things our chatters are talking about, I love this, Uh, Guest 13 said we buy an ornament for each child every year at the after Christmas sale. I love that part. So they'll have 18 to 21 ornaments or more when they get married. And then another uh, Bolinbruch bunch mentioned my sister for wedding shower gifts will put together a basket of holiday decorations to give to the new couple. And I I love that idea. Oh,
1: those are great ideas.
0: Those are great ideas. Yeah. Now, the, the cookie swap, the, the basic rules are uh, however many people are in the cookie swap, you make a dozen cookies for them, and you wrap them. And then each person, let's say there's five people. So you make five dozen chocolate chips. They make five dozen macadamia nuts. They make five dozen um, roly-polies or whatever. And then you come together, and you already have them divided in dozens, and then you just swap them out. So each of you bring five five dozen cookies, and you leave with five dozen cookies, except you leave with a variety. So that makes it a lot, a lot of fun. Um, something else with uh, with the Christmas thing is uh, you can, uh, again, using your library. Your li- I don't know about your library. I uh, was doing a booth at the library one time, and I'm watching people go in and out of my library, and it looked like it was the um, uh, Blockbuster Video Store. <laughs> More people were coming in and out with videos than they were uh with uh with books. So if you want to uh get uh DVDs or videos, go to your li- library because they usually have a really good selection. They've gotten big time into the um into the multimedia stuff. So that that's another great thing to be doing. Um when when it comes to New Years, let's go on over to New Years. What do you do? that makes it special. Do you now when my kids were little we do New Year's at like ten o'clock at night. Uh and then they'd go to bed. <laughs> but right. what what do you do with your children? Well we um it depends on the year. When we've got a brand new baby
1: <laughs> we don't go anywhere, <laughs> we don't do anything. Um, but after that baby is about one or two I'm I'm usually back into the idea of having a celebration for that. And we last year we had several families come over. We Um, Let the Kids Play Board Games, and we had a game set up for the adults. Um, There's a lot of adult games. You can look on the Internet and say clean adult party games, or you might say icebreaker games or whatever, and put like church icebreaker games so that you don't get some of the, the crazy stuff that you can find on the Internet. And we just organized games for the adults, and then the children all joined in with us. They wanted to do what we were doing because we were having so much fun. And actually, it got to be really close to midnight. We're like, oh, we have to stop our game to go and do the countdown. And we do the countdown thing, and we run outside with pots and pans, and we bang them.
0: Um, (laughs) I have not heard that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, ten, like, you know, pie pans and your big pans that have lids that you can bang and all that. So we run outside, we do all that, and then uh, we send everybody home. And we try to send them home with a little gift. So it would be like a little thing of candies that you can find on sale right after Christmas, or it would be a little, um, I think we may, I can't even remember what we did, but it was like a little sack that made, oh, I know what we did last year. We did the hot chocolate packs that you could take where you take spoons and you dip them in melted um, chocolate chips, and then you put sprinkles on them, and we put sent one spoon for every family member and then a, a sack that had hot chocolate, hot cocoa mix in it so that they could have that for a treat the next day if they chose to and some cookies or something. But that's what we do. We keep it very low-key. We ask everyone for that particular occasion to bring a snack to share. And we have so much extra food, it's ridiculous at the end. And a lot of people are bringing their Christmas leftovers anyway to get rid of their goodies (laughs) and stuff. Like, oh, good, we can get rid of this Christmas cookie plate, you know. So everyone's happy to bring something to share, and that keeps my cost very low. I usually say I'm taking care of all the paper products, you guys bring snacks, and we'll share. And, And it works out great. So um, we keep our costs low that way, and we just have a really good time. We don't, we don't drink here, so that's not an issue, but I do try to have some special things like hot cocoa for the kids and
0: hot apple cider, things that we wouldn't always have out um, on, those, on those types of occasions. And we try to get the sparkling juices because the kids like that, and then my daughter got herself a set of stemware, and she likes to bring out her stemware uh, for, our, for our celebration. So that is her one and only time to bring that out. Uh, The other thing uh, I was going to say was, uh, um, okay, I lost it. We uh, we also tend to do a a church service, and in our church service, we do communion to start the first year. And I also like to kind of have the kids at Thanksgiving. We before we start our dinner, we ask everybody what they're thankful for, and and then at New Year's, as we do our celebration. We ask people, uh, ask people, ask the kids, the pe- people that are joined around us, what they're looking forward to. What are their plans? What are their goals for the next year? To really kind of get people to think about: Yes, you know, we've we've survived another year, and there's another year ahead, and there's more work to be done. Um, that you know, that needs to be done for Christ in our in our lives. It's it, we have work to be done for Christ. And you know, just to see what what people's ideas and thoughts, and you know, just to kind of have them take a few moments to really ask God, okay, what what are we doing next year? What's what you know? What is the plan? Where are we going? You know, because we aren't here just to watch go by. So anyway, um, but anyway, those those are just some thoughts to you know, making it very meaningful and. and I I have older children now, so that, uh, you know, as they were teenagers and and on, we we got into the more, okay, we're thankful for. Of course, we started the thankful thing when they were little. But then uh, as they got older, we started saying, okay, well, what what are we doing next year? What are you doing next year? What is your goal next year? Uh, And this kind of gets them prepared for, you know, for real life, as I call it. But I, I love your idea of having uh, groups of people over and, and having them all sharing and, and so forth. I think that's fabulous.
1: And that is something that we include in that because it happens to be our church group that comes over here. Okay. Is we do it's a time of prayer, um, and we pray for our nation's leaders. We pray for our church leaders. We pray for our children. Um, and that time of the party is very serious. Um, but then immediately we follow that up with, you know, games and food and all those types of fun things. So it's not, it's not like a, a downer, serious party, <laughs> although that's a big part of it. I mean, it really is serious to us to pray for our country and to pray right. over our children and to pray over our marriages and our families. Um, and, but we usually try to do that after the families have all arrived, and then after that we move on to fun and games, and then, you know, then we all go home. Right. I, I stay there, but <laughs> but everyone else goes home at that point. So right. but it's a lot of fun. And so people are sometimes intimidated about opening prayer in their home if they're not in circles that are used to doing that. Uh-huh. And they don't know how to do it naturally. They don't know how to make it a smooth transition. And I'll tell you it's always easy to do it before mealtime. That's very easy. So before we before we get into the snacks, we're going to sit down and have just a few minutes of prayer. And here's some of the things that we'd like to pray about. And if you all don't mind, we could do it. Popcorn, you know, popcorn prayers where everybody gives a one-liner, you know. Um, or or we're going to have the dads pray over their families. Or, you know, just kind of give a little guidance. And if it seems a little awkward the first time, it'll seem less awkward every time thereafter. And so for us to incorporate that into our group events, it was new for us. We have, we've only been um, in... in a Bible believing Christian church for about eight years. So for us to start incorporating all those into our family, it was new for us. And so just realize that there's just ways to make it simpler for your guests and just go ahead and do it and be
0: bold and your family will be so blessed by it. Yes, they are. They are very blessed when when they get together. We we're we're just thankful we've joined a new church the last six years and they have they usually have a service. They ended at ten. So you can come home still. <laughs> and all of that. that. Well I was That's trying to find mind. out. Now um your website is homemaking 911com dot com. And That's do right? you have now I love the little idea of the sh- of the uh spoons. What uh do you have that on your website? No. No, I just don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should I'm writing that down right now. Add spoon idea, yes. take pictures, add blog
0: posts. Yes, there you go. Spoons. Yeah. <laughs> So I will. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, we are open to any questions, if you all have any questions about um, what uh, about how to stay frugal over the holidays. And, uh, you know, going back to Angel Food, we helped support Angel Food because it was a great outreach for our church to, uh-huh. uh, one, it helped the families that needed a little budgeting help and then Hi. it also because we're not quite that competitive down here uh and then uh it also helped us because we uh, were able to take that food and, the extra because we would uh buy one and then buy a second one for giveaway and that was a really good way to reach out to people uh a oh, lot of the good. families that did uh Angel Food would take an extra bag box and then they would uh give it to somebody either an older couple in their neighborhood or uh, a, a a single mom in their neighborhood, and since you know, uh, angel food is not you know limited by how much money you're making like the government kind of programs are. Uh, right. You know, it was it was just a way to bless people, and well, uh, and so that's forth. a great
1: idea. And I do want to say I don't. I, I, that's why I was worried about stepping on toes. Oh, yeah. I'm just a super good budgeter, and most people aren't as very good at this. So that's why I have to say that, like, if you're not really good at it, the angel food box is probably better than just going in the store and picking up whatever. Right. For so the, sure.
0: I, and I, if I, you're in an
1: area with low competition, like not a lot of grocery chains are competing for the same amount of dollars, you're going to probably get a better deal with the box than you would buying it at the grocery. You know. So it just depends on
0: where you are and how tight of a budgeter you are naturally. Right. We do have a question. guest seven. How about ideas for table, house decorating for Thanksgiving?
1: Ah, Thanksgiving is so easy. I, I don't know if you missed the very beginning when we were talking about this, but Thanksgiving, you can use decorations that the children make. They can make the little hand turkeys and put one on each table setting. You can pick up a, a nice leaf out of your yard that's not moldy or anything and use like a paint marker and put people's names on them as a place setting. You can use a bowl with, you know, leaves or with um, pine cones in it with some, um, you know, paper leaves interspersed or some nuts and apples as a centerpiece. Um, I know people put baskets with apples and nuts in them and, or cornucopia type things where you put several types of fruits in them or vegetables that you will then use to eat later or use to even eat that day, so you're not going to waste that. It's not going to be something disposable. Um, in our family, we actually have um, have made up a permanent. It's like a wagon wheel, and it's broken, and it's to symbolize the family members that have passed away from our family. And they have a candle put into to the wagon wheel shape that's broken for each family member that's 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 already in heaven. And so, at the beginning of each meal, we actually light those candles and mention those people by name. I'm getting teary-eyed <laughs> oh, because those are people who are close to us, who we love, who passed on, and then we do our dinner prayer, um, and that um, that particular centerpiece gets rewrapped every year and brought back out. And after about 10 years, it's still looking pretty ratty. So we all threw in, you know, five bucks and got a new one created um, and had the additional candles put in for the family members that had died. Uh, but that's something that we pass on every single year. So it doesn't cost us anything on the year except to buy new tapered candles for it. Um, but if you don't have the money for that, you don't, have to, you don't have to go and buy a floral piece for Thanksgiving. That's what's so nice about it. It's so family-friendly. People expect to see you know the the more down to earth, homemade type things at Thanksgiving.
0: Right. That is that is one of the things about Thanksgiving is that it it is, you know, it was originally kind of a homey. You know, you get a bunch of people together and you celebrate and, and thank God for you know the blessings of the year. And I think if you just keep the focus on the the reason for the season, whether it's Thanksgiving or New Year's or Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever you're doing that if you keep the the reason for the season going, then it really helps to simplify. Um, and, it, you know, it helps you to focus. Okay, let me see. How am I going to say this? It helps you stay focused so that you don't get so distracted by all the different things that distract us during this time of year. That's right. And That's there, right. there's lots of stuff. There are lots of advertisements that tell us we have to have this toy for, you know, in order to be, you know uh, keeping up with the Joneses or you know you can't you can't serve your pie without the super duper pie server or whatever it is okay. and uh you know that's not the reason we're here, and I know that my children, as you were saying, when you went and checked with your children about what they loved about the holiday, my children loved it when we uh when we got down to just being at home instead of. Uh, when I would be working, 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 and then I just showered them with with uh, presents, but I wasn't really there. That's right. They really want you there, reading stories to your children, uh, doing crafts with your children, spending that extra time. I know a lot of homeschool moms that from just before the week before Thanksgiving uh, till Christmas, they put the books away, and unless they're reading, of course, a Christmas book. But they basically put the books away, and they do life skills. And life skills is a bona fide lesson, and uh, you can just do life skills and really um, spend time with children, teaching them about uh, keeping a home, about the decorations, about the serving, about serving others and helping others and volunteerism. Those are all great lessons that are uh, definite uh, lessons that you can put on, even on transcripts for your high school Right. I
1: I I don't know how much time we have left, but we have some Christmas gifts that our family does that are pretty special. That if we have a few minutes, they don't cost anything to make. But I can share those with the folks to to give them some ideas. Um. Do Do you think we have time to do that? Yeah, we do. Okay, good. One of the things that we like to do is give gift certificates for date nights with mom or dad and they can get a certain number of those per child from mom and dad, and make sure you have rules stipulated, like you can only redeem one per month or whatever your rules are for that so that the kids aren't trying to redeem them all the day after Christmas. Um, You can also do like make your own tape or CD for the children, and they will love this. If you sit down and read their favorite stories to them on tape, or if you do one and a grandparent does a story and then a cousin does a story, you know, people they love, and then they have a tape that people have made for them that's age-appropriate for them. Um, my mother-in-law did this. She made, she came over here and recorded because we have recording stuff here because of the nature of our business. But on CD, she recorded reading all her favorite toddler, and older kids' stories on tape, on CD, and we duplicated it for all eight of her grandchildren. And then she also recorded at the beginning of each one a story just about that child, like the first time she met them or what her favorite memories were from their babyhood or, or whatever it was that she wanted to share with each child. And so we put that as their beginning cut, and then this duplicated message for all eight kids, and then, you know, we have fancy stuff, we, we, we burned on a copy of the child's picture the age that they got that CD. And that cost us 80 cents per CD. You know, but all the grandchildren got this terrific gift that they will cherish. My son still listens to his every night at bedtime, and he's three. He loves it. Um, Not every night, you know, a lot of nights at bedtime. Um, That's totally almost no cost. And if you just have a tape player just run a record reading to them, you mama doing it for them, that will really be a benefit to them too. And then um, having grandparents to experience gifts with them. Take them to do something that they normally would not get to do. Like my, my daughter who's 10, when my mother says, I'm going to take you to get a manicure, that's a rare treat. Grandma doesn't live in town. So when she comes in town and takes her to do that, that's a very big deal. And it's a several-hour outing. They go out, they have lunch, they do this. And so to kind of focus them on experiencing each other and having time together rather than um, focusing on getting a gift. Um, and then you can also ask for, and if parents or grandparents are asking me what you want, say, "Hey, you know, how about a zoo pass, or how about a museum pass, or whatever's big in your town that you can you can share for the whole year."
0: Um I was gonna say when we started homeschooling, we were blessed that that's what we would do when the, when it was Christmas time. We gave the grandparents educational alternatives <laughs> that we wanted, and they helped to supply. Us with things like a, a microscope which we couldn't afford at the time and so forth, Oh, right, and you know they, they were a real blessing to us in that, uh, Absolutely. but I love the idea of the of the recording. We also did one year
1: we had we tried to keep our kids from not knowing not knowing what we were doing, but we would set up the video camera, and with our children, we would get people to read them a story on video, and we had several people do this over the course of several months. And at the end of that, and we had like grandparents would read them a story or two, um, our, our pastor from our church who came over for dinner one night, we said, we told him what we were up to and he sat down and he and his wife read them a story with the kids in the video. And then after you've done this for several months, you take that compilation and each child can have a video or a DVD of themselves at that point in time getting read stories by all those people that love them. And that was just a precious gift to give because that's something they'll treasure forever. And they'll be able to show their kids, look at this DVD of, of, you know, me when I was six, you know, and be able to enjoy those people who at, by that point in time when they're adults will, be, have, will have passed on. So that's something else that we've, we've added into our repertoire of things that we've done. and um, Gift certificates for anything that your kids like. Um, we are not ashamed to give away homework passes um, when a child's done a really good job that they can use to get out of certain Um, repetitive types of assignments, like my daughter could use it to get out of a a handwriting assignment. Now, they can't get out of math, and they can't get out of tests, but (laughs) just about anything else, um, they can tape that on their sheet, and they're done with that particular subject for that assignment. And so giving a set number of those, maybe five, you know, to each child if you homeschool. Hey, they do it in school, right? They give them homework passes for stuff, so why can't we, right? And they do that. And it costs nothing. Oh, yeah, like if you have perfect attendance for six weeks, you get a homework pass or something, or oh. I don't know. I, my daughter used to come home with his homework passes, and she would turn it in if she forgot a homework assignment or something. I thought, well, I'm doing that. Um, when my oldest, who's seven years older, would babysit for me, that's what I would pay her in. I would oh. pay her in a couple of home of, of homework passes so she could get out of handwriting or whatever. She didn't need to be doing handwriting practice, my goodness. But, you know, it's part of the school, so she does it here at the Russells, and so she'd yeah. get out of those that way. Um, And we just really try to focus a lot on on Christ, on Christ alone, and and really try to focus on that. It's hard when you have other family members putting a lot of input in with a lot of gifts and a lot of consumerism, which is a big part of our extended family. But here at this house, in the privacy of our home, at our kitchen table, we can talk about Christ, and we really do. And we pray over the season, we pray that their hearts will not be turned towards things and not make that their idol, and we pray that it will be Christ. And so I highly suggest that. If you do that, that will solve 90% of the, the expense problem of Christmas. If, if all of us really had our hearts set toward Christ alone, a lot of the stuff would just fade away. And in, in my kids' cases, they haven't really focused, hyper-focused on the stuff of Christmas And that's
0: been a real blessing for us financially as well as spiritually. And there was one last question. And what is the best way to freeze breads and rolls? Do you make them first and then freeze them, or do you just make the dough and freeze the dough? What do you do? Do I freeze the dough. (laughs) Well, I should talk to you
1: because I've never done that. I've been afraid to do that. So I actually uh, make my rolls. And I cool them completely that day, and then I freeze them in Ziploc baggies. And if there's any moisture coming off of them, like any steam at all, um, just open that bag, wipe out that moisture before you freeze it, and then freeze them. And then they come out, and you just heat them up briefly in the microwave or oven, and they're great. Some people don't use their microwaves. So that's fine. The oven will also heat them up, and they'll be terrific.
0: And I was, I always use uh, froze the dough and... Uh... Then would defrost it, and, and as it defrosted, it would do the final rise. So that's kind of what we did. But anyway, well, listen, Malia, we appreciate you so much spending the time with us. And uh, we again, her website is homemaking911.com, and she's got lots of great ideas on there. And uh, she is a very organized mom, which is great because I'm the anti-organized mom. But uh, so I'm always learning new things, and I'm trying to apply one or two. We want to thank all of our guests for coming in, and uh, we will see you next week on the uh, The Homeschooler Next Door, the kitchen table of Homeschool Talk. Thank you so much for having me.